Hi there, and welcome to the Man in the Van podcast, your regular audio drive time companion, where our main aim is education through a conversation. Through our conversations, delve deep into all things related to the tradesperson contracting community, from news to education to industry happenings, helping you do better business while building a better and improved South African tradesmen and women contracting community. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start the conversation. A warm welcome to our audience. My name is Willem Klopper. I'm your host. And in this episode, we will have a conversation with Mr. Steve Brown, the National Operations Manager of IOPSA, to determine the importance of auditing and the value that it adds to the plumbing industry, but as well as what the requirements and the selection process are for selecting and appointing auditors. Steve, welcome. Thank you for joining me for this podcast. Morning, Willem, and uh, to our audience, thank you very much for the invitation to uh, attend this morning and hopefully uh, provide some clarity in terms of the auditing department and the functions. Thank you. Just before we give our guests the opportunity to introduce themselves, have a listen to this. We'd like to remind our audience that this episode is proudly brought to you by Articulated Plumber. Are you a tradesperson or a trading company that is looking for a platform to market your services? Let Articulated speed up the process for you. You can use our podcast to sell your services. Email us for a quote at organizer at articulated.co.za. You can also visit our website at www.articulated.co.za. So Steve, just before I fire away my normal ritual, uh, just before I fire away with all of the other questions that I have for you, just a very brief introduction of yourself to the audience, please. Jeez, uh, I think it'll take half an hour for us just to go through them. <laughs> <laughs> through all your responsibilities and all the different caps that you wear. Yeah, I've got so many caps, I don't know where I am at the moment. But anyway, yeah, look, I'm, I'm Steve Brown, obviously Operations Manager of the Institute of Plumbing. I'm a past president of the Institute of Plumbing South Africa. I represented South Africa on the World Plumbing Council. Um, I've been in plumbing for just on 45 years now. Um, I sit on the board of the PIRB, so I have a lot of functions. I'm involved with training, uh, and then one of the main functions is obviously the auditing department. I have a really great team of people uh, and ladies in the office uh, that uh, support this, and obviously from our executive director, Brendan Reynolds' side. So we have a really good sort of team of individuals that uh, – do the, the auditing, and there's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes from uh, complaints, et cetera, et cetera. So we get involved in technical, I get involved with the training. Um, so there's not too many aspects that I'm not necessarily involved with, may not lead it, but uh, yeah, in most cases, uh, if there's a problem, it becomes mine. <laughs> and then you work your magic, Steve. Yeah, well, I've, I've got to try. You know, sometimes I think uh, I'm, I'm they think I'm a magician or, you know, it has to happen right now. But, um, yeah, I think uh, we have a really great team uh, in terms of IOPSA and, you know, from a PIOB point of view. It, it really is um, really good to work with a, a great team of individuals, both men and ladies. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes the heart pump and it, it, uh, it's an exciting way of, of doing things. No two days are the same. So, yeah, very passionate about what we do. Steve, let's get back to um, our subject of, of today in, in this podcast episode, uh, auditing. Uh, what is the importance of auditing plumbing work 
and and what value does it add to the plumbing industry? In other words, why has the auditing process even been implemented? So I think, Philip, Willem, if we go back to the inception of the certificate of compliance, um, so if you go and have a look at it, uh, we've seen a lot of the, the local authorities that used to register plumbers, and they would have all their various tests, et cetera, et cetera, um, to become licensed or registered in their particular area. Um, that, to similarly, just, just fell away through most of the regions other than possibly KZN and, and the Western Cape. And then in terms of the certificate, when that was brought on board to certify that the work that you've done um, is, has been done correctly, uh, and that the certificate that you issue um, has been done in accordance with whatever relevant standards they are. So in order to do that and through SACWA, you know, we had to have a mechanism in terms of, of how do we confirm that uh, the work that was carried out by that licensed plumber was actually done correctly in terms of the standards. So therefore, if I go back to when the auditing uh, department kicked off, I mean, it was a very small group of individuals and, and headed up by Martin and uh, Denise Kutsia. And it became a, it was a very small portion of, of um, uh, certificates that were coming through. And it was basically maybe eight individuals throughout the country that would conduct some of the audits. And that has since grown uh, to, I think we took over, IOPSA took over possibly two years ago, and we've grown that team to over 42 auditors right throughout the country. So it just shows you the impact of what's there. So we have 42 auditors uh, right around the country uh, in terms of uh, conducting uh, inspections on certificates issued. So the basis of that is uh, we've also found is that um, – the training of the standards. So a lot of the training, the guys that have come through training or coming training, uh, would talk the the how, but not the why. So the the, the interpretation wow. of putting a geezer in is this is how you do it, but the the standards that apply to whatever it be, where geezer, heat pump, solar drainage, um, those that training, that that theoretical training was very limited. So in terms of, of being a licensed plumber, yes, you could put a geezer in, but you may not understand the sand standards. Uh, there was also issues with regards to the cost of the sand standards. You know, sometimes they were out of reach of individuals. So therefore, it was imperative in terms of, of the um, the purpose of PILB was, yes, to issue the CSC, to inspect the work. Uh, and again, it comes through, I think it's 5% of, of all certificates will be uh, 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 audited, and then, um, you know, based on, on that information. So I think in the beginning, it was a very much, uh, you will do this, whatever. And we've tried to bring in a training aspect uh, to the auditing. So the current auditors that are, are in the field now, and some of the older guys are still there, um, but we've, we've applied that training that an audit mustn't be seen as a negative. It must be seen as a positive because if the plumber and we've had issues with COVID, but you know, in theory, if the plumber's on site and, and they're there with the compliance auditor and they'll be able to see where they've made a mistake or how they could have done things better. And we've had many plumbers say that they've spent in that half an hour, you know, conducting the audit, they've learned more in that half an hour than they have in the last six months or whatever the case may be. So it, it's about going out, you check the, the certificate. I mean, there's two aspects of it. Uh, the compliance auditor will receive the, uh, the certificate for audit and then conduct the audit based on the certificate issued and the non-compliance notice. So this, 
there's a little bit of a perception around, but how can you do a compliance certificate, but then have non-compliance? So the certificate very clearly says that the work that you did, so we're saying whatever work you've done complies to the standards. The non-compliance yeah. is with yeah. regards to pre-existing, your things that were there before or not covered or whatever. So basically the, the CPA, which is the Consumer Protection Act, states that we need to advise the consumer in writing, and it's also within the standards where it says to the plumber not to fix everything. It says that you, the plumber, must advise the consumer in writing of any other pre-existing non-compliances. So it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. You know, the work that you did, ma'am, yeah, sir, here's my certificate. The work that I did was fine. The, uh, the uh, other items of this installation that are not correct, I'm letting you know what those are and the risks associated to those. The client then makes an informed decision, yes, fix it or no, fix it. There's nothing to say the plumber must fix it. And he's done his job. So we would go out, do the inspection based on the certificate issued and those items that he's picked up in terms of non-compliance. So it's a checks and balances in terms of that. And then it's a, either a pass or a fail, and uh, it goes from there. But I think most of the times in terms of the standards and the feedback that we get from our auditors is that the standard of installations being conducted now are far superior and better than we've ever seen. It's just lifting things to a different level. It's so good to hear, you know, that the perspective out there is, is slowly beginning to, to swing around and to change from a perspective that people have or plumbers have that this is a punitive measurement that's put in place, the auditing, um, rather than let's learn from this and, and grow and develop, develop myself, my knowledge, my skills, my, and, you know, my knowledge about my job. Um, for the auditors to then sort of have a different approach to it as well, sort of let's guide this, let's guide, let's guide this uh, plumber to, to learn more. Yeah, I think, yeah, Philip, if you look at that, I mean, you know, you could be like that traffic cop who just stops you and just says, right, here's a fine, go away, don't do it again. But I think that doesn't stop the problem. I think, you know, the problem comes in that we must just realize and understand, and I think this is what we've imparted into our auditors is that it must be part of the solution and not the problem. So therefore for us, our mandate is yes to go out there and yes whilst on site to train uh, and guide and make sure that they don't make the same mistakes or identify the queries. So so in order to do that, um, again, you know, what spin-offs from this, what, what people don't get or don't see, and like I said to you earlier, we're good at doing things, we're just not good at telling people the good things that we do. But the thing is, I have, you know, compliance auditors that will um, identify a company and there's a problem, and they'll say, well, let's provide you training at no cost. You know, they'll go on a Saturday or uh, during the week, you know, three hours off, and go and sit there and go through items that they have. So there's a lot more in terms of the peripherals that goes on that uh, are part and parcel of this. And again, yeah. the compliance auditors that are doing this are doing it out of their free will. You know, they actually not charging. There's not a cost to do it. Uh, they're just going out so that they can best serve the interest of the company that's showing an expression of interest in terms of well, my guys or my ladies or my personnel need training and, and who better than the compliance auditors um, to come out and deliver that. So uh, again, another aspect that spins off from from the, the, the COC and the understanding of, of the standards. After all, Steve, it is about the upliftment about the plumbing industry. And I think that's also the perspective that the, the auditors have. And that's why they voluntary, voluntarily do, do these kind of things. 
Yeah, 100%. I think the, the passion that we have from the team, you know, is, is phenomenal. I mean, uh, I cannot sing their praises high enough in terms of uh, what they put in, you know, to being a compliance auditor. We'll get into that uh, later on. But the passion that they have that they will take out from themselves. I mean, each one of our compliance auditors possibly receives six or seven phone calls a day uh, from plumbers that they've audited. And they've in some ways become the mentor to that plumber uh, where they'll say, look, I'm on site and uh, I have this problem. You know, how can you help me? So again, that is not part of what the compliance auditors are paid to do. Um, but it's something that they do because they, they know it's going to make life a lot easier and it's not a closed shop. And, and the training aspect is critical to making uh, uh, our industry better. Just before we continue the conversation, have a listen to this. Introducing the Plumbing Industry Registration Board Company Registration Portal. Now you can register your company to have access to more benefits, including purchasing and allocating certificates of compliance to your PRB-registered employees. Visit www.pirb.co.za to find out more information. Plumber training has never been easier with articulated plumber courses. Enroll now to upskill yourself at your own pace and earn CPD points. Our informative and easy to follow courses can be found on iopsatraining.co.za. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Articulated Plumber. Steve, there's one important factor that I wanted to call out, um, and that's that, that you mentioned about uh, plumbers that, you know, auditors may find mistakes that plumbers have made, and, and there may be, you know, like a cautionary warning on the on the, on the um, audit report or a failure for that matter on the audit report. But it is true also that uh, plumbers are then given the opportunity to go and uh, uh, conduct a refix um, on, the, on those mistakes. Is that correct? Yes, so, yeah, so 100%. So if uh, the audit has been conducted and uh, there are items found that uh, are, should have been covered or, or incorrectly done um, in terms of the installation that was carried out, and a lot of these come back down to the, the non-compliance items. You know, some of those are, are the key critical ones that, that the actual guys and ladies fail on. But in essence, I think that the system gives the, the, the plumber, uh, once the audit's been completed, uh, it gets submitted back to him saying that you failed. It actually provides a report in terms of that. And then obviously within five days, uh, they would expect that refix to be completed, et cetera, et cetera. So in some instances, it may result in the plumber going back to do some work that he should have done. Uh, in other items, it may be that he just needs to make the client aware of another item that he missed, and he advises them in writing and saying, look, it, it wasn't part of what I had to do, um, but, you know, the, the compliance order was there. They found another item. I'm just letting you aware of what's going on, and, you know, apologies for any inconvenience, however they do it. And then it goes that way. So, again, um, yes, there are those that, that, that definitely fail. And in the majority of cases, they, they get sorted out. I mean, it's it's really uh, what we found is in some cases, the compliance auditor will finish the audit. And by the time he gets back to his office in the afternoon, he's already got pictures where the plumbers already rectified it. Um, in some cases, if they actually do it on site if they are there with the, uh, the compliance audit. So let me get it done now. So, yes, I, I think... Uh, you know, speaking on behalf of the auditors, um, very few and far between that 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 um, really do push the envelope. 
And again, there is a, a mechanism that if you don't agree with the, the audit or the auditor's findings, then you can put in, we have a dispute uh, form or a, a form that basically says you're unhappy. And then it goes in obviously in writing as to why you believe that this was done incorrectly. And it can't be about uh, price or, you know, you didn't do this. I mean, you have to really just put it down. And then from there, it gets escalated to PIRB. We would then do an investigation and then decide whether um, there was merit or no merit and then report back accordingly. So there are really good checks and balances in place uh, to keep everybody on, on, on the straight and narrow. Just before we continue the conversation, have a listen to this. At Advanced Valves, we produce quality products. Our products are proudly South African and ISO 9001 certified for quality control management. Founded in 1994, we pride ourselves with our range of unique designs and affordable products. Visit your nearest plumbing store and become part of the SA's leading valve brand. Steve, speaking of the auditors and, and the value that they add to the plumbing sector and the plumbing industry, as well as the extra mile that they are willing to go voluntarily, um, what are the criteria and or this, the criteria for the selection of auditors? So, yeah, I think everybody just seems to think that, uh, yeah, we like you or whatever, off you go. So in terms of the auditing department, um, we would be looking at, uh, a plumber with a minimum of, of 10 years experience in terms of from his data um, uh, qualification. We do have other criteria for individuals that have possibly been uh, N1, N6, whatever, and they would work under um, a uh, an auditor. So, so there's different ways in which we do it. So in essence, um, it starts off with a motivational letter. So just to give you some info in that if somebody makes an application to be a compliance auditor, we request for them to submit us a motivational letter as to why they would actually want to be a compliance auditor. And based on that, and you'll be very surprised, we get a, a lot of those, I want to kick all these bucky plumbers out and I want to get rid of all of this. And you know, you know, it's like that big stick approach. So in terms of that, we're looking for that individual that wants to make a difference within an industry uh, he wants to be able to be that trainer, to be able to guide and uh, basically perform those duties that's going to uplift everybody. From there, we then have a, a test, which is uh, 60 questions, 60 minutes. And it's quite scary uh, in terms of doing that. We would expect the, the plumber or the individual who's applied to be a compliance auditor that those standards would roll off his tongue, you'd be able to sit there and click, because if you know your stuff, it would be quite easy to do it. So we have that 60 questions, 60 minutes, it's quite a challenging uh, uh, test to do, and um, we then go through that. So on completion of that, we then go into uh, what it is to be an auditor, and we have a, I think it works down to about a three-hour session uh, that we obviously do online or in person if we can, and then we go through those criteria. We also check to see if the individual has issued COCs, um, pass rate, fail rate. So there is quite a bit of intensive uh, uh, training that goes into that before we even get to, to that stage. When the compliance or the applicant for being a compliance auditor um, goes through all of those hoops, we then basically, if he's going to be switched on or put into the field, he then is set up with a current compliance auditor 
and they would do audits together. So he would spend some time with a uh-huh. compliance auditor um, as a mentor, if we can call it that. And uh, they would possibly do three or four um, audits or five, depending on what it is. And then from there, we would then do the reverse, where allocations would go through to the new applicant, and uh, they would be on his system. And then the mentor would actually go with him and do that. So it's possibly up to eight or nine or 10 audits that are done collectively together. And then um, obviously from there we learn. There's a lot of computer work in terms of uh, understanding the systems, logging it. So there, there is a huge amount of, of training that goes into that. We also have the ladies in the office here that obviously back up the, the compliance auditors. And we have a nice sort of uh, a team of individuals such as Richard Bailey, Adrian, uh, Stephen, Sal, Kerry, um, that, you know, we work collectively to, to ensure that uh, uh, things are done uh, in the correct manner. So that's more or less where that goes. And then every month we have online training. We have one uh, later on in this week where we normally do it between 11 and 12.30, where we look at um, current situations that have come up areas that we need to look at. Uh, I've just did all the stats in terms of passes, fails, what to look out for. So there's a huge amount of investment in terms of, of, of that actual training. It, that, that's ongoing training for the... Every month. And it's compulsory. Well, look, when I say compulsory, um, you know, we, we have a great attendance uh, uh, in terms of these sessions. We sometimes get independent people to come out and talk about different things. Uh, some of the individuals or the auditors will raise some points. Uh, we'll investigate that, provide that info. Um, so, yeah, it really is a, a, a good sort of uh, ongoing, if we can call it that. And this is every month uh, that we do it. And then we have alternate ones. We will actually have a, a webinar for the compliance auditors, probably for a one hour. Uh, we're busy currently with one that's uh, happening on the 22nd of June, where we'll deal with a one particular topic in terms of uh, what we believe, whether it be writing reports or whatever. So yes, it, it's certainly a huge amount of investment. And uh, I've got to say, uh, yeah, I'm very proud of the, the compliance auditors that, that take that time out. And it, again, it's part of our, our uh, uh, requirements. And then the other thing is they all sign a service level agreement with us uh, in terms of the do's and don'ts. Um, we have notices that go out where they sign, there's confidentiality uh, clauses in there. Uh, we also have um, where there's a conflict of interest, for example, um, where uh, maybe the plumber being audited worked for the, the auditor before and they believe that there would be a conflict, then they can recuse themselves from, from that audit. So there are many checks and balances that we have in place uh, in order to ensure that the, um, the work has been done and the audit has been done uh, in the correct format. Steve, talking about the, uh, the, the or speaking of the, the um, uh, service level agreement uh, uh, between yourselves and, and, and the auditors, is, is auditing a full-time job? So in some parts of the country, yes, we do have permanent orders. So if we look at auditors, we look at Gauteng, um, we have permanent auditors that are full-time employed in Gauteng. Uh, we have one lady, uh, Noctula, down in KZN that is full-time, and we're currently opening it up for uh, in the Western Cape. So, so yes, there are compliance auditors that um, are employed by our officer. Uh, mainly in the regions, it's a... Uh, 
again, depending on the numbers and how many COCs are there. So um, certainly for those guys, it's not a full-time, you know, nine to five. They may do one or two audits a day um, over a two to three day period, but uh, certainly they've got so they are their own businesses or they retired or whatever the case may be, and it's there. But to say that they're employed full-time uh, would be no. It's a... Okay. Like we keep saying to the guys, you know, don't look at it as being a an income for the rest of your days because things do change. But um, it does create its problems in terms of uh, conflict. Uh, what we normally have, in fact, what we do have, we didn't have it before, but we have a minimum of two auditors uh, in each region. And some regions, they are obviously more with Kauteng, uh, KZN, Western Cape. But we used to find the challenges uh, were quite sort of more uh, relevant in terms of smaller regions where everybody knows everybody. So it's always best to have a minimum of two or even three um, that we can call upon different people to to audit different things and uh, we manage it that way. Steve, just before we started recording, you and I had a discussion about um, uh, the numbers and and the, the, the fact that the... Uh, you used a specific term for it, but uh, the fact that according to the requirement for audits, uh, the the let's for a lack of better terms, the market is is it's full now. Um, but what, wh- how, and what is the process for interested parties, people who are interested in becoming auditors, compliance auditors? What, is there a process for them to approach IOPTA and saying? Um, you know what I'm interested in uh, going through the process and um, just getting back to the fact that the conversation that we had before we started recording you also mentioned uh, the guys in the wings again for a lack of better terms the guys yeah. who are sitting in the wings for those emergency cases um, just a little bit more uh, elaboration on that please Steve okay so in terms of uh, applications for compliance auditors we do receive quite a few um, where the individual will send that motivational letter through or inquire. So they'll make a phone call, I speak to me or Bianca in the office or whatever, and uh, basically have a chat with regards to auditing. And I think sometimes it scares um, the individual when they actually realize what it is in the investment that they have to put in, you know, in terms of, of being a compliance auditor and sustaining being a compliance mm-hmm. auditor. So as I said earlier, the first step is making that application and the reasons why in terms of that motivational letter. It'll also bear down in terms of uh, areas. You know, so if we've got a guy, like we'll get some guys that'll be maybe in a place like Worcester or, or somewhere else where when we look at the, 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 the load in terms of COCs issued in that area, um, yeah, it may be very low. So again, uh, and in some cases we've had the guy who's applying uh, is the only guy that's issuing COCs in that area. So, so again, we have those sort so of challenges. Himself. Yeah, no, that's it. You know, you just audit himself. Um, <laughs> but basically, I mean, look, it, it goes back to that um, that motivational letter. Then we'll do the checks and balances. Then we'll go through the test to make sure that the individual actually knows uh, what he's doing. So again, at the moment, as I said, I think we have 42 auditors right the way through. There are the other areas that open up, and there are compliance auditors that retire or want to go. So we actually do training for individuals. And ideally now what we'd be looking for is an individual that is retired, no links to a, a company per se, and, and and rather go for that independent person, okay, which takes away a lot of 
um, you know, the, the animosity that we sometimes get with the auditor, auditing, you know, opposition. So that's one of the key things that we've looked at and we are working on. I mean, it's, it's going to be a, a, a long-term thing in terms of getting to where it needs to be, bearing in mind that we have some really great auditors out there. Um, and they also have their own businesses, but they're very impartial in terms of uh, the way that they report and audit. So we do do the training. Uh, we possibly do it every two months once we've got sufficient people that have jumped through those hoops and are now prepared to actually uh, go through with the training. And then we start that online training, get it going, uh, work through the systems, as you know, uh, working through the LMS systems, working through the training. Uh, there's a huge amount. We set up uh, IOPS email addresses. And, you know, for those companies that um, – or guys or ladies that have plumbing companies, we would obviously prefer them to be an IOPSA member because we are giving them an IOPSA email address in terms of their communications. And, you know, we've always said that if you're going to receive an income, you know, from an organization, why would you not be a part of that organization? So it's one of those things that we put together uh, in terms of saying, well, this is where we need to be. So, so yes, there, there is a lot, uh, and it's not a closed book. I mean, you know, anybody that can come along and do it, and I would say maybe one out of ten that, that, that make that, that application actually go through with it to the end of the day. So, yeah, it is quite um, – detailed and I think it has to be that way a lot of guys seem to think that yeah just you like me I'm licensed yeah let me go and create mayhem we won't do it that way just before we say goodbye have a listen to this don't forget to download the all new and improved app plumber from the google play store all your plumbing solutions are just a click away exclusively for android users Steve, listen, I, I want to thank you for um, your time and your effort in joining me for this podcast again. And uh, so much more for the for the valuable information that you've shared and the clarifications that you've made regarding the selection process, the, the you know, the selection criteria um, and, and what auditing is actually about. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, surely that the audience have have learned a couple of things in this podcast so thank you for that no thank you bill I and mean, i think again uh, i just want to thank you know the listeners and everybody else and, and and the plumbers that are out there you know in terms of you know understanding the system and we are quite open in terms of any clarity questions and, and again key in terms of the tech talks because a lot of the tech talks disseminate out of what we find in the auditing field so we would then go and look and see what are those trends what's happening what are the guys doing and the ladies doing right or wrong um and how do we address this and then again that unfolds in terms of tech talks webinars etc etc so there is a huge wheel um maybe the plumber just sees one or two of the spokes but there's a hell of a lot behind the scenes that goes on sure We'll have a couple of more of these uh, podcasts and, and, and share more of that information with them in coming podcasts. So let's hope the auditors stay tuned in. Finally, it's time to switch off this engine. Cheerio. Man in the Van podcast, your regular audio drive time companion. 